0: TheChairShot.com Always Use Your Head Warning The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey yo!
1: As we are brought in by the fire tones of the Tongans, with whom we give all deference to, we'd like to welcome you to another edition of The Outsider's Edge. This is not your boy Rance, a.k.a. Ray Cash. Rance decided that his love life was more important than having a show, and we, his friends, fully support that. So get you some, brother. We love you. This your boy Kyle, um, joined, as always, by our brother-in-arms, Mr. Carl Irvin. How you doing, sir?
2: Doing good, man. Uh, Happy for my boy Rance pouring the cereal tonight. So, uh... I mean, you know, uh, I guess we'll just have to live without him this time.
1: I mean, you know, pour that cereal rants, pour that cereal. (laughs) Um, But it's been an interesting week in wrestling. Um, It was not a slow news week. Um, Probably some of the more consequential stories. So they announced WWE announced today that the Thunderdome will be moving from Orlando. They're taking their talents to Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay, effective December the 11th. Um, Their agreement with the Amway Center had um, been kind of tentative, but with the NBA slated to return on December 22nd, the Orlando Magic are obviously going to need the Amway facility, so WWE had to figure something out. And the best move that they could think of was, well, we'll go down to Tampa and we'll use um, Tropicana Field. The Rays aren't going to need it anytime soon. This is not even close to baseball season right now. And so we'll just set up shop down there. Um, Do you think that they're going to change up the look at all? Do you think it's going to be identical? How's... How's this going to look in a different facility?
2: I'm interested to see. uh, First thing I wanted to mention is so with baseball being, you know, where obviously Tampa Bay Rays play there, um, with baseball not being back until April, that's what they're shooting for right now is that they'll be back in April with a full 162-game schedule, whether that happens yet to be seen. Uh, So you got at least five months there um, if you do – you know, if that's what you're going to do until you have to figure something else out. Um, however, I'm, I'll be interested to see how it looks because, I mean, you know, compared to the Amway Center, basketball arenas are never typically as large. Um, they usually hold about fourteen to 15,000 fans. I'm not sure exactly how many of the Amway Center holds. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Uh, but I'm sure the Trot probably holds a similar amount, probably a little bit more. Um I'm gonna assume the Trop is a bigger venue, just in general.
1: The Amway uh, Center has a capacity of twenty thousand. Okay. And Tropicana keep talking.
2: I'm looking it up. Okay, you said Amway has how many? Twenty thousand? Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Tropicana okay.
1: has a capacity of forty-two thousand seven hundred and thirty. So 000.
2: so there you go. Double, a little more than double the capacity. So how they're going to work in the confines of that building will be interesting. I don't think they're going to change it up much. Um, I could see them possibly utilizing what was always really cool when we went to the when they did the two Royal Rumbles in Phoenix and Houston, using the dugouts as uh, the entrance ways as opposed to how you know um, you would normally see that set up. I don't know if they'll do that or not. I think but- that
1: might work. What I was thinking what's gonna be challenging for them in a baseball stadium unless they either use the dugouts or the bullpen as the entranceway is how are they gonna set these video boards up within the stands? Because right. the stands of a baseball field, of a baseball stadium are not the same as in an arena. It's not a dome, it's it's not a bowl setup. Right. Or of like a large ass dome. And so it's like you're only gonna be able to have these video boards on the hard cam side
2: anyway. Right. And typically, you know, with, with basketball arenas, your actual stands are so much closer to the action than the baseball fields are, at least the way I kind of see it. Like you know, you got like in at basketball games, you literally have fans sitting that are sitting on the upfront, sitting on the court. And you you don't have that in baseball uh, baseball stadiums necessarily. Um, I, I imagine they'll try to do something where they can kind of. I, I mean, it's WWE. They've got one of the best production crews in the world. I, I can't imagine that they're gonna. But it's not aesthetic to it, so I, I I assume that it will look good. I have a feeling it could even look better. Uh, the ability to use pyro in a much larger venue gives oh, them yeah. an option to do a lot more. I hadn't. Even With considered. that, so that's something that I think could work out for him in that regard. I'll be excited to see um, how it goes. I, you may have read it, but I missed it. When are they planning to start over there, do you know?
1: So the first show will be on Friday, December 11th for SmackDown.
2: Friday, December 11th for SmackDown? Yeah. Okay, okay so we're a little less than a month, about three weeks out then.
1: Yeah, Um, it it lines up because um, WWE's lease with the Amway Center runs through November 24th. And then they must be out by December the 5th. Okay. Um, So they'll run all their shows through the 5th. And then on the 11th, they'll transition to Tropicana. I mean, this makes sense for the Rays because, like, one of the things we obviously know is, you know, professional sports teams haven't been making any money from their arenas. Absolutely. Because events have been shut down. So these franchises that are desperate for cash, the Orlando Magic couldn't wait to take that money. They needed that money.
2: And they would probably keep doing it if basketball wasn't coming back. Absolutely. If
1: the Magic weren't coming back, they would totally keep doing it. But the money train is coming back. So they got to get back on board. Exactly. But this is a winning model for WWE um, in terms of it'll give them a venue that they can use until probably the end of March. Spring training will start in Tampa on April the 1st, probably. Yeah. Um, And so, like, this will give them another long-term venue. And, you know, we're hoping... Maybe, just maybe, if they if we can put down this coup attempt and stop this bullshit, <laughs> we're hoping that the Corona vaccine might come out by then, and yeah. then we can, like, go back to living our
2: fucking lives. Sure, it would be nice. It'd be perfect timing. Uh, you know, they've, they've even just, you know, you're talking like, if all, if in a perfect world, you could almost get it all down for... The very first comeback, real comeback show, could be something like a WrestleMania. I don't foresee it happening, but we're I getting close. We can,
1: dream. we
2: can dream. We can we can dream big dreams. We got big dreams for twenty twenty one. I'm saying, and I won't hot. be there. But <laughs> even if they allowed fans back in twenty twenty one, you ain't gonna see my ass. There. Oh hell no! Oh hell no! <laughs>
1: I've been to enough wrestling shows to know that wrestling is the last set of live events I'm going back to. You
2: know, I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I'm out I'm on that.
1: Enough bingo halls and like rundown theaters to know that this is the last train. Yeah, I'm getting back on. I'll Man, support a- the wrestlers by paying for the shows and buying the merch.
2: Yeah, I- I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm hoping that we can do it soon, but yeah, that's definitely going to be the last, the last stop for me as well. So it'll be a while before I go back to a live event like that, that size. I would imagine probably another. Probably not, at least until twenty twenty two. I would imagine I'll probably skip live events for another year, no matter what. But
1: I mean, I'll probably skip indoor live events. That's fair.
2: Year outdoor
1: live events, I may be more willing to go to. That makes more sense. If a vaccine is out, like that's all. It's all contingent on there being an effective vaccine that is safe and like easily distributed. Yeah. Um, if that is the case, then I may be comfortable with outdoor venues next year.
2: Well, I suppose we will see.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, that's all we can do is like sit and hope and like try to not let 2020 take a massive shit on <laughs> our last shreds of dignity. Um, but no, so that was a light topic to start the show. And I wanted to start us with something. Palatable because you know, it wouldn't be the edge if we didn't get into some real shit and, Oh boy, I mean there's a couple of different you know real shits To talk about one is a real brief one that we will just mention very quickly and then we'll get into the breaking story of today okay. um, So we've been talking a lot about Zelina Vegas WWE release and we've been talking a lot about What it means for the company and what it means movement within wrestling and all that stuff. There have been developments in that story. Um number one, WWE's story has now been that the release was due to a breach of contract that seems to be centered around Zelina starting and OnlyFans. Oh, okay. Um I mean, I'm a gay male, so I have no interest in that OnlyFans, but uh, I'm sure I know some people who would be uh, hip to that game. Um, But more interestingly, yesterday, Aftra tweeted out, powerful conversation with Thea Trinidad at Zelina Vega WWE today. We support her and others as they work to protect and empower themselves.
2: Yeah. Thoughts on that? Well, I think we can really only speculate as to what was discussed. I think I'm sure, I would imagine we all had, I would imagine that was probably uh, SAG after kicking the tires a little bit, uh, maybe getting some information. Uh, and I would imagine because Zelina, uh, I guess if you want to call her Thea now, whatever, like I would imagine that she has seemed to be open and honest about what happened. But, you know, like we said, the the breach of contract thing, who knows? Right. Like, and also she hasn't seemed to be too bitter about anything,
1: Well, she has not seemed bitter about anything, but that breach of contract thing is interesting to bring up only because the company has now set a standard that they're going to have to live by. Yeah. And um, that could potentially be to their downfall in some ways. Like, if you are going to set the... Like, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with a private company... Which, I mean, we all know private companies are all shitty. They're just different (laughs) kinds of shitty because capitalism is bullshit. Um, But anyway, um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a private company saying that, hey, if you start an OnlyFans account, that's grounds for termination of employment. But, like, that would seem to me like that opens the floodgates of, oh, you want to get out of your contract? Start an OnlyFans.
2: True. Yeah. I mean, well, to, to be fair with 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 WWE, they, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're publicly traded, so you, they have investors and things of that nature. So all of a sudden, you hear, "Oh, X started in OnlyFans." Well, yeah, we can't be having that. You know, what I mean? even if to that only OnlyFans- to
1: her OnlyFans does not automatically mean she's sending people naked photos.
2: 100% agree. I mean that's 100% fact. However, it's the optics. It's always the optics because all we all that you ever hear about those websites, that website specifically is is what's going on on them. I and think so, WWE's just mad
1: that Zelina's only fans was going to get more clicks than uh, Undertaker's cameos have gotten.
2: Well, that's that's definitely most likely 100% true. <laughs> but uh I don't know, man. Like, I, I think that the conversation, it's good that we're, we're getting these, the, the open dialogue and the conversations, even if we aren't privy to the details, uh, you know, for, for them. So it seems like we're making a step in the right direction on some things that we have discussed ad nauseum over the last few weeks in terms of unionization or something along those lines. Even if it's just, you know, the hills that you've been wanting to die on for, which is just health care, you know, and good working conditions. So I think the the best takeaway, without knowing any real details about it, is this sounds like we're moving in the right direction. And if it took Zelina Vega to get us there, then by all means, that's great. Let her be the voice for change. Let her be the one that pushes the needle forward. Who cares as long as it gets done?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I'm here for anything that, like you said, ends with the hill I've been trying to die on, which is healthcare and working standards. Yeah. Everyone who works a full-time job should have health care, and everyone should be guaranteed a safe working environment. And
2: speaking of safe and good working environments...
1: Look at you with that hashtag journalism.
2: <laughs> what, about, um, what about the Root Beer Boys, All Friends Wrestling? What All you got Friends for?
1: Wrestling, where there are no lessons learned.
2: No lessons learned.
1: Well, so there are some uh, interesting tweets that went out into the wrestling ether just a couple of hours before we sat down to record the show this week um the tweets are from a louis benson who was apparently working um he was an employee for a production company working with aew and um the first tweet he was just talking about he's very nervous about posting this but he'd rather share his story Um, It's the story, uh, just in case I don't make it through COVID-19, this is the story of my year in AEW and the bullying and gaslighting that came with it. Um, He proceeds to tell us quite the tale, y'all. And in an homage to my brother, Rance, I'm just going to read through the first part of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's like, a series of 15 messages, but I'm, I'm just going to read through the first part of it.
2: Yeah, make sure you get to the real, the good, juicy stuff. You know, you, you know, yeah. you've read over it. So, you know, and I'm just going to mute my microphone and listen.
1: Things were very off from the time I started with AEW by way of Comeback Studios. Shortly after I was hired, I was told that Cody, the EVP, didn't like me and thought I was a stalker fan based on his interaction I had with him at all In. This didn't make sense to me because every other time I had met him, he seemed friendly, even initiating physical contact with me. But I was told over and over again, if Cody asks, we'll fire you. I became terrified of the man because I had left home and moved eight hours away from friends and family for this job, and I was told my job was in the hands of a guy who already didn't like me. Cody apparently requested that I not be present when he was in our building, which led to me either being made to leave or stuck hidden in a room when he came around, having to ask if I could come out to use the restroom. I was also told not to talk to any talent, not even friends I had made before either of us worked there. This led to really awkward interactions early on when I tried to avoid making eye contact with people I'd had friendly interactions with before or not responding when someone would attempt to talk to me. I didn't receive credit for work I'd done on the Road 2 series because Cody only wants these two people to have credit. When I brought up that other people had credits, I was told the only reason we credited everyone else was because they were being babies about it. I wasn't allowed to post on social media about my job. I couldn't even update my LinkedIn. I was the only employee this applied to as my co-workers would advertise weekly that they worked for AEW or would post pictures on set with members of the roster. After being told for months that Cody didn't want to even be in the same building as me, he showed up randomly on a weekend while I was working, and I literally came face to face with him. He greeted me like nothing was wrong and gave me an aggressive high five after complimenting my all-in shirt. I barely squeaked out the word hi as I walked past him to my office where I sat at my desk and hyperventilated because I was terrified that I was going to lose my job because I just so happened to be in this building at the same time. I had finally received a credit in the first countdown special as a production assistant, which they were hesitant to give me, but I had finally received recognition, was tagged in a Facebook uh, post by my boss and had multiple people tagging me to ask if it was my name they saw. I put out a single post thanking people for their support and hoping to make them proud. Throughout the next week, I find out that Cody allegedly screenshotted my tweet and sent it to the boss with a thumbs-down emoji. I'm told that I have to delete all social media or be fired. In the meeting, I asked my direct boss if he had read the tweet, not in a snarky or hateful way. The response was my other boss shouting, Don't fucking talk to him like that! at me. This led to my six foot five hall of famer boss getting in my face, intimidating me into deleting my social media in front of him, saying, do it now. And he knew I would do it because I wanted the job. And he would remind me constantly that AEW doesn't want you. You would never be hired without me. Or that this person or that person doesn't like you, so we can't let you be seen by them. I went without Twitter for months and had friends attempting to find me to see if I was okay because I had disappeared. During this time, I was mocked by my bosses because I pointed out that forcing me to delete social media was illegal, that I wasn't sure if I wanted to work there anymore, or even saying they should make me start over from zero on Twitter. I'm not sure Cody was even aware that I had edited anything for his company. Apparently, QT Marshall had suggested I edit something when the normal editors were busy, and he said, really? You're suggesting Louie to me? Even though I had edited a few packages he was in and several episodes of his wife's cooking show. It continues. Sidebar about QT, he was always very kind to me, and there were plenty of times I felt like he was the only ally in the whole organization. I have nothing but good things to say about QT. Finally, in February, Cody made positive remarks to my face, saying that I had gone through hell and pushed through and I was the man now, going as far to say, I like Louie now. It was nice, but out of nowhere, because I'd only had about 45 seconds worth of interaction with him over the past eight months. I don't know if this was an attempt to apologize for how I was treated. Heck, I don't know if he knows how I was treated. He never actually said he was sorry, but I at least felt like I had a monkey off my back. Things got weird when COVID reared its head. Work slowed down. My main job had been working on web shows, dark, control center, etc. I would sit behind the camera and follow the script with talent, sometimes advising on pronunciations or deliveries. In other projects I've worked on, this is called a producer. I even had talent calling me as such. Tony Chiavone, someone I greatly admire, gave me one of the greatest compliments I've ever received. You're full of shit, but you're a hell of a producer. But I was warned that I shouldn't refer to myself as producing or being a producer because my boss hadn't said that I was a producer. It didn't matter that I was doing the work or that said boss wasn't in the room for 80% of the shoots because he hadn't decreed it, it wasn't so. They stopped shooting Control Center and Top 5 in our studio due to the pandemic, so a lot of my work was eliminated. I was relegated to pretty much no AEW work just videos that probably needed to be done, so to so do them, and we might put them out eventually. The last thing I edited to completion were the librarian sketches. Admittedly, I was demoralized, and my work suffered from it, sending out edits that I was embarrassed by. I wanted to see if I could contribute in other ways, so I tried to accompany a shooter on what I thought was a minor shoot, shooting footage of a debuting talent training, and was denied because they didn't know if, if it was the excuse me, and was denied because they didn't know if it was the boss wanted. The boss accused me of just wanting to be seen. For some reason, anytime I wanted to do anything, they accused me of having some ulterior motive. When I put out my thank you tweet, they said I just wanted people to know that I work for AEW, which again is laughable because the lead editor posted and still posts regularly about how they work for AEW or edited this or that. But one where I tried to show humility was seen as bragging. But I digress. It started coming to a head for me around this time. My girlfriend and I had to move out of our apartment and into our new apartment on a specific date. It was bad timing. We were working from home at the time, so I requested three days off in total to move. A day to pack our stuff, moving day, and a day to unpack. These were the first days I had asked off all year except for the day before Thanksgiving to drive home. When the days off were approved, It was in an email that was done in a very shamey way, saying that my days off were mine to use as I please, but I should only need one day off to move, and I was just being lazy by taking three days off, and I should have chosen a weekend. I didn't have this this option. When they returned to the office, they didn't tell me that the person I shared an office with had stayed home because he thought he had COVID. He eventually tested positive. That night, my girlfriend had also been informed that her supervisor had COVID and she was having symptoms. So she had a doctor's appointment and they said we should both quarantine for 10 days and get tested. I requested seven days off from work to quarantine and texted, I can come from or I can work from home. I don't care. They never sent any work, but a coworker did check up on us intermittently. The day I returned from quarantine, they sent me home immediately. COVID test. And when I got home, they asked me to do a meeting, which was between me and my boss and two co-workers for some reason, for them to tell me that I didn't offer hard uh, hard enough to work from home during the quarantine. See, I offered, but because I'll work from home, I don't care. Because I said, I'll work from home, I don't care. It meant that I actually didn't care and that by staying home on doctor's orders, I was just not wanting to work. And I didn't have to quarantine for 10 days because it wasn't my doctor who gave the order. Oh, and the coworker who called me was just trying to get me to offer to work from home again. The first time I offered wasn't good enough, I guess. They told me to come up with a plan to keep my job and they told me they wanted me to impress them by working 60 hours a week for no extra pay and also learn more skills relevant to the job but learn those outside of the 60 hours. He went on to chastise me again in front of coworkers for taking three days off to move. He then went on to brag that there were people who worked for him for years that he never gave a raise to because they only worked 40 hours a week, basically punishing people for having families and wanting lives outside of work. But he had given several raises to other coworkers that year because they would work until they were physically ill or would have a partner be mad at them for working so many hours. He said... Listen to me and you'll make money. Full disclosure, I was only working 36 to 38 hours a week at this point, which was following the schedule I was given when I first started, which was 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. with a lunch in between. I pointed out that when I was still had the web shows, I worked 50 to 60 hours and I was happy to put in the time if I had something to work on, but I wouldn't do it just because they wanted me to, especially if they just wanted me to find something to work on. So that was that. I decided it wasn't worth it anymore and didn't fight for my job. You hear so much that AEW is a family atmosphere, but clearly that experience isn't given to everyone. And the people who work there just normalized this behavior. I would constantly reach out to friends, former bosses, etc. to ask, is this normal because there were times that I believed that maybe I was the crazy one. Months after I was I had casually made reference to a friend in the company about one of my coworkers leaving. He left before I did, so I figured it was old news by this point. Apparently it wasn't, and it caused some friction. So I got texts from three different people from a company I hadn't been employed by in two months, still trying to control me by telling me not to talk to talent. And I actually got accused of being desperate to be in by a person who reminds social media constantly that they work for AEW. I'm not going to sit here and act like I was the best employee ever or that I edited anything groundbreaking that I didn't receive credit for. I definitely had flaws, like getting distracted and talking too much or editing at a slower pace than the lead editor. And I'm not going to act like I had only negative experiences. I met some amazing people and had some great experiences along the way. I don't want sympathy. This isn't an attempt to bury anyone. I don't want people to turn against AEW. I still watch every show and buy the pay-per-views. I just wanted my story out there in case, God forbid, I don't, fi- I don't survive COVID-19. I'm not even a disgruntled former employee. I'd still be there putting up with it if they hadn't given me the push I needed. If anything, I hope people involved read this and adjust how they deal with people going forward.
0: Can I say something?
1: Oh, shit, Rance, you, uh,
0: you got something to say? I, I have quite a bit to say. Just um, interrupt.
2: Just interrupt coming come in here and start talking.
0: It's my show, shit. You know it's <laughs> our show, but we know whose show it is. It's like, it's like, Keenan Thompson is a member of Saturday Night Live, but we know whose show it really is. Right?
1: This motherfucker, <laughs> this motherfucker gets him a girlfriend and starts having, you know... Don't put my business out
0: there. Don't put my business out there. I hey, already
1: put your business out no, there. No, you
0: ain't gonna put my business out there, sir. No, that's okay. <laughs> I have two things to say. First Go and forward. foremost... Fuck Garrett Runnels. He's a bitch. I'd like to say that piece of shit ass. Motherfucker. Secondly, uh, how fucked up is the only reason that he said that and he finally let his truth out was because he thought in case I die from COVID, somebody needs to know. Like that's the catalyst. That's pretty sad. I think the Look. saddest part for me was the
1: six foot five Hall of Famer that's intimidating people.
0: Well, no, the, the sad part is who the six foot five Hall of Famer supposedly is. That's really depressing. Go ahead, Carl.
2: I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine, dude. Um, so here's here's kind of where I'm at with this. First of all, this is – you know what it reminds me of more than anything else? It reminds me of the old-school mentality of the locker rooms in wrestling. Back in the day especially, and most probably most recently – the JBL stuff with the Miz okay. where it was like, you know, you, room bullying. yeah, you hang out outside of the locker room. You can't be around these people. Um, but to that end, it's just, it's, it's another, it's another, and this is, look, this isn't something locker room issues are not something that are just, this isn't an AEW problem. This is a wrestling problem. Um, right. And so, but I want to, I just do want to say like, I think it says a lot, there's a certain part in his, in his, um, in his story there where he talks about, he wasn't even sure if Cody knew how he was being treated and see the, my problem with that is, well, once again, as we've said before, as when we gave the young bucks a hard time for being in the middle of a ring when someone was knocked out or things of that nature you are a boss of the company and you're not aware of the goings on in your company. And I would give you a, I would almost give you a pass, but you're not Jeff Bezos where you're not in every, you know how Jeff Bezos can't be in every fulfillment center. That, mm-hmm. for well, Cody Rose is at every show. Okay. He's at, he works there. This is where he works. And supposedly it's to the point where he doesn't, even want to be around this guy. So of course he doesn't know what's going on. And so that is just once again the sl- it's the sloppy shop that we've been talking about. It is the toxic work environment. It's the boys having control of every single aspect. And the little Tony Khan who's got, you know, daddy's money, who likes wrestling and is just wants to be one of the guys. And so it just looks like once again a poorly run business in a lot of ways, you know. I'm sure, and like he said, look, if he doesn't want to bury him, I'll bury him. This isn't acceptable in any way, shape, or form. Um, and Cody has got—I don't know if he has said anything since this has come out. Probably not, but he—he he needs to, and and so does Tony. He's Collins. got to I respond don't. to this. And here's why he's going to have to respond to this.
1: Wrestling Twitter has blown the fuck.
2: Uh, yeah, he's getting destroyed.
1: and span is on this shit now, yeah. and I don't even like Bix because he's a little bitch who like tweets out half truths and runs to con- like jumps to conclusions. But like, he's on this now. It's only a matter of time before our least favorite man in the wrestling uh, evers, Uncle Dave, gets this shit on his shit rag. So like, you know. This is a this is a PR nightmare yeah. for
2: a company. Absolutely. I don't I don't know. I'm not saying obviously I'm sure they'll survive. You oh, know, for but... sure.
1: I'm not saying that this is gonna sink the ship or that it's gonna ruin them as a promotion. Not at all. But this is a PR nightmare for a company, especially from the guy who parades himself as your company's top baby face.
2: Yeah, and not to mention you're talking about a company that is still wants to be able to attract people to come work for them. You know, and so how do you, you have to reconcile that. Like, you know, this is how they treat their lower level employees. How do they treat you as long, if you're not one of the boys, you know what I mean? If you're not, you know, one of the bucks or Omega or Paige or Cody or I don't know.
1: And I fully believe, and I mean, maybe this is my own shortcoming or my own bias talking here, but I fully believe that you can tell a lot about a human by the way they treat those underneath them in a hierarchy absolutely yeah I would agree with you like I mean, yeah it is very revealing about your character the way that you treat your subordinates
2: um, <laughs> I mean I, yeah you'll get no argument for me out of that and I just think that you know, It's, it's, I hate to be the show that every week we got to rag on these fellas, but the reality of the situation is they bring it on themselves every week. The implicitness or the bullshit
1: or the lack of institutional control. Like right now, I'm not even at the point where all friends wrestling, where no lessons are learned. I'm at the point where I'm like root beer wrestling, where we don't know what the fuck is going on.
2: Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what's going on. Like um, you
1: know how to run a wrestling promotion in the sense that you know how to run the wrestling.
2: Right. You know
1: that part. Yeah, that's you know, the part you're, you're good, good at. at. That part.
2: You're good but none at
1: useful these... wrestling. You're pretty good at building stories and like producing a compelling show. Like dynamite, I say it every week on this show. Dynamite is enjoyable to watch. Yeah. It genuinely is an
2: enjoyable show to watch. Well, none of these guys are businessmen. Not a single one of them. Okay. They don't, I mean, I'm not saying they, maybe, maybe I'm wrong and maybe one of them has a business degree or something. I don't know. But they're not actual businessmen who have spent time running. That's supposed to be what Tony Khan is supposed to be doing, you know? And because it doesn't seem to be the case, all I'm left to wonder is like we've said before. Tony wants to be one. Maybe, does Tony just want to be one of the guys? And you've got these guys who are literally no. only there to just have fun, and they don't care who's. You know
0: what? It's
2: you know what?
1: I'll say a couple things about it. I'll say a couple things about that. Number one, as our esteemed guest uh, Rob said last week on the show, Rob Bonetta. Shout out to Rob. Yeah. Um, as Rob said last week, AEW always has been a vanity project, and it's not. Cody and the Bucks Vanity Project, it is Tony's Vanity Project. This was, like, this was Tony taking money from his dad to start a promotion because he wanted to and thought he could make it work. And to his credit, he has. I'm not even saying that. He has. To his credit, he has made a product that works and has managed to get not one, but two TNT TV deals out of it. So, like, I can't say that you were unsuccessful in what you're trying to do. But I will say this. Here's why we shouldn't be surprised at the mismanagement. <laughs> Look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look at what they allowed Tom Coughlin to do in terms of mismanaging that team and setting a toxic work culture that became so bad that the players on the team were just like, no, fuck you, we're out of here. Yeah. And, and like, not just fuck you, we're out of here, but fuck you, we're out of here. And by the way, we're going to call all of our friends and tell them to never sign with this team. Yeah. Because that's what it was by the time they were forcing Coughlin out. It was not only are we going to leave, we're going to tell everyone we know in the league don't work for this team. Don't sign for them. They're trash.
2: Yeah, it's 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 very indicative, and it's it seems to be carrying over. Um, their management into-
1: style, yeah, their management style seems to very much be entirely hands off. We're just gonna, you know, appoint someone with pedigree and let them establish a good old boys club, and we just want to be one of the boys.
2: And, and by the way, like I understand that. Um- you know, in any work situation, you're going to probably work with people that you don't necessarily like or that you don't necessarily get along with. And that is not something I'm here to, 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 to bicker about and and come after anybody over. Uh, That's just part of it. You know, we've all worked in places where we didn't like someone. Um, But I also felt, like you know, as far as like, so if Cody didn't like Louie, okay, all right, whatever. However, you can't let it, it can't be one of these things where all of a sudden you don't like the guy one day. And then another day you act like you do because he's paid his dues. Now he's not a wrestler. He's a guy producing content for you. This is, and even if he was a wrestler, it's not cool. It wasn't cool then. It's definitely not cool with you. are The low, a lower level employee. This isn't like you can't treat it. Like it's the NWA in the eighties or the WWE in the nineties, or everyone has like, we got a, Do this, that, and the other to be cool with the boys or whatever. This isn't a frat, you know. Like, there's no initiation here. These are jobs. These are livelihoods. So I I really hate that whole culture. Anyway, that's one thing I've always hated about wrestling culture. But, but outside of that, I just think that whatever Cody's feelings are about this guy is one thing. But the fact that he's being essentially intimidated by others, like our six foot five Hall of Famer into doing deleting social media and, and things like that. Really, really, really...
1: And that's not even getting into you know, the... That's not even getting into the heinousness of the COVID part of this story. Mm-hmm. The, like, okay, cool, I came back and you didn't bother to tell me that this dude that I share an office with not only didn't come in because, like, he feeling funny, but he feeling covid and would later go on to test positive.
2: Yeah, well, and not only that, but like, I mean, take it further. Like, he's working from home, and the work he's doing from home isn't good enough. Or he says something like... He's
1: going to quarantine, and he's like, I'll work from home while I quarantine. I don't care. And then they're going to be like, oh, no, you, you just don't care about your job is what you meant. You're not working hard enough. We need to work sixty-hour weeks to prove to us that you um, really do care and really do
2: want it. Yeah, this is this is a big problem, and it's just another. You know, we talked about the the issues that they have, and I'm not sure if he's the only. You know, for now, as far as we know, he's the only employee that's come out to, to to say anything of this nature. So once again, an opportunity for AEW, right? Will lessons be learned this time? Will, will Will they take this and do the right thing coming out of it, or will they ignore it? Uh, I think that's the probably the biggest because they're going to hit. They're going to take a PR hit out of this for sure, but they're not going to they're not going to sink. But there's the opportunity here to come out of it better, and it's up to them once again. And I assume we'll be revisiting this at some point. Well, you know,
1: or like, so no way for us not to, like, yeah, but it, yeah, just like so many different
0: layers
1: of bullshit. And we might as well get into the only part that we haven't gotten into is the rumor of who the six foot five Hall of Famer is alleged to be. Now, it is alleged that the six foot five Hall of Famer is Diamond Dallas Page.
2: Yeah, so I, at first I saw someone mention Billy Gunn when I was going through the thread, and it looked like he was disagreeing with that. Louis himself was like, no, it wasn't Billy Gunn. How far you scroll down through those comments, um, which you know is good. I didn't want to have to hate on the ass man. Um so, ass man. <laughs>
0: um,
2: However, now I got to hate on the guy whose yoga program I bought. Hold on, real
0: quick. Real quick. Can I make one joke? Yeah. Yes. I was the ass man of this call.
1: I am the ass man of this
0: call. <laughs> that was whack, I know.
1: I'm sorry. I still love you.
2: <laughs> I just, I don't know when Rance is going to be in or get, out. So like,
1: before why. we get too heavy in, before we get too heavy into the DDP end of the story, is there any parting thing you want to say Rance on the Cody half? Oh, fuck that dude.
0: All right, cool. Oh, um, no, so- okay. Yeah. to be To be more salient. Um I, before I had to step away, uh Carl was making the very eloquent point that if you are the boss, if you, you it it's always on you. And I don't know if you mentioned the fact that apparently the dude Louie didn't work directly for AEW, he was contracted through DDP's company.
1: We were going we that's what we were just now starting to segue into. Yeah. We were talking about the COVID end of that and how yeah. heinous that is. We were talking about how um, I made the point that if you know anything about the cons and their leadership approach to their sports franchises, nothing about this should be surprising. Look what they allowed to happen with Tom Coughlin.
0: 100%. And the only reason I bring that up before y'all talk about it is because a lot of fans, especially a lot of people who support AEW, would be quick to say, well, he didn't work there. It's not their fault. No, he was paid. By that company and contacted by that company. So even if his bosses were giving him issues or whatnot, the interaction that he had with anybody within the AEW sphere still falls on AEW management, especially when you had a direct relationship with one of those management people. So, yeah. You
1: have a right to not experience a hostile work environment. 100%. You have that right.
0: Especially not by the damn EVP.
1: Like, if Don't you look are to harassed on your work, like, on your work site, you have the right to call your supervisor and be like, you need to talk to someone at this company about who I'm working with, because this ain't gonna go down.
0: No, and um, the one thing that kind of warmed my heart a little bit was, if you read through a lot of the responses to Louie, a lot of them are by people who are known major AW fans and I'm not going to call them apologists, but, like, people who stick by them, even in the worst times, they'll find something good to say about them. And, like, so that made me feel good because wrong is wrong, no matter who you support, no matter what wrestler you like or what company you watch. Because this was a WWE story. This will be front page news. And they deserve to be destroyed, too.
1: And for those that are, you know, a little skeptical to believe people's stories, like, Louis has got a lot of receipts. He, he has tweets. Speak- or not tweets. He had screenshots of text messages. He's got, like, tweets from friends corroborating the events. Like, he's
0: there's got one,
1: a lot of receipts.
0: There's one pretty prominent pe- person in the, I'm not going to call it the wrestling media, but she's pretty, she's pretty popular, Kelsey from Super Kicking It With Kelsey. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, Kelsey applied mm-hmm. for the same job Louis got. So everything that happened to Louis, she knew about because she was directly involved with a lot of the same things. And she's corroborated damn everything he said so well, yeah the like, other
2: thing about that like he has no reason to lie here this is someone who clearly for loves anymore. yeah he clearly loves the business and he's even admitted like i might be i may never get to work in wrestling again and so at this point why? Why you know, this is something that matters to him and he's willing to tell his truth. And I think that's admirable because, yeah, in the wrestling business where this shit is so toxic and so many locker rooms. Yeah, he probably may never get a chance to do it again. You know what probably I mean? That, like that that's yeah. just that's that's the unfortunate part about the whole thing is like he knew that that was probably what was going to happen when he did this. But he was strong enough and stuck to his convictions enough to do it. So good for him.
1: So, uh, lead us in, Rance, because you know a little bit more about the DDP production company part than I do. Um, just, yeah. what, what's the crux of that?
0: So, DDP, really, you know, DDP owns a production company because he does all the productions for DDP Yoga. He produced the uh, Jayden State documentary. He's done quite a few things that have gotten, like, a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of, of, like, lots and stuff. Like, people like a lot of things he's done. So, he owns a production company. It's no secret DDP and Cody are really close. DDP is a part of the quote-unquote nightmare family. Um, DDP was one of Dusty's sons in the business. So there's, there's a lot of history there between those two families and those people. DDP, so I'm sure one of the first people Cody would call to help with certain things, packages and whatnot, would be DDP. Since he already, you know, look out for the family. Um, so apparently DDP's. Production companies contracted through AEW to make certain things like the videos to the road to the road to Relative Revolution, the road to Full Gear, whatever it is, um, and some other things. The Librarian skits is one of the things he spoke about. Their sketches and stuff like that, um, especially pre-COVID, post-COVID, I'm sure is a little different with working at home. Everybody can't come to the arena, and whatnot. Um, but reading through his messages and through his tweets, DDP was quite hostile to him. Um, and really not fair well, I, to his own extent, argued or admitted that, you know, I wasn't the best worker. I wasn't, I wasn't the fastest with my work. I could have done that. It, it, sure. I appreciate that. But that's the boss. And the boss has no right to reprimand is one thing, but to offend or attack, the boss would have a right to do that for you. And Well, and you and straight up broke
1: the law when you forced him to delete his social media in front of you. Like, well you straight another, up broke the fucking law. That's not
0: in the contract, absolutely. And the, the thing that bothered me the most was DDP would get mad at him. And This is according to him. I'm not making this up. This is strictly from reading the tweets. Um, If he would, like, he couldn't fraternize with AEW people when he's there. There's a difference between trying to see what they're doing and getting their lives and saying hi to people. They literally had this man scared... To walk, up to, to walk past somebody and say hi. Like, the time Cody... The, the whole hemp story between him and Cody and being told Cody hates you, Cody doesn't like you, Cody thinks you're a piece of shit while you still working here, and him being... Don't even look at him. And then Cody come up to him saying, hey, I know you're a piece of shit, but good job. And, like, him being, like, terrified that Cody spoke to him, thinking he's gonna get fired. Uh, nobody getting should, getting nobody should work credit,
1: like that. Him. him not getting production credits on shit he fucking produced.
0: Another thing... Or the, the part about how he was Don't working call sixty him hours. A
1: producer. Don't call what him a producer because sure. the boss didn't say you're a producer.
0: Sure. Or the part we're talking about the, the hours amount of hours he was working and how he wouldn't get a raise because only people that got producer credits that got a raise were the people who worked almost hours and even while they were sick or their spouses at home had issues. He was like, Well that's that's the business. But you know, you wanna you want you work your actual forty hours or whatever hours and you're not going to get a raise or a, a credit or whatnot because you, you're not working hard enough. Bitch. And, and that's
1: man, the thing. Culture is so fucking toxic. Well,
2: that's not – and not even just that. Like, you add in the fact that how wrestling culture is, that's the business. Are you fucking – like, that's why I was going against earlier about the whole, like, the wrestling business in general. Like, these guys that live in that 1980s, early 90s, maybe mid to late 90s era of this is the business, and you got to do this. No. No. Like th- this is, this goes back to why you Kyle are like, we're work, good working conditions, you know, because this is bullshit. Like this kind of stuff wouldn't fly, you know, if they actually had protections, you know what I'm saying? Like this is the kind Absolutely. of stuff that, that it's just, it just furthers the, the the emphasis and furthers the point for what you've been talking about.
1: And just to inject my own personal opinion on some of that part too, like I object and have always objected to our society's like obsession with working and like how you are almost looked down upon for adhering to contractual hours. Like as a teacher, I know I will never be the most valued teacher in my school because I believe in my contract. My contract says I work from 7.30 to 3.30 and if it ain't seven thirty to three thirty, you got to pay me more, yeah. or I ain't coming.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair. yeah, I'm um, got
1: degrees, and my time is worth money.
0: I used to work at a door-to-door marketing firm, um, and we got it, it was it was straight commission based, but it was frowned upon if you left after work, went home. He was big on fraternization and team building, so, like, you'd almost have to stay another two, three hours before you went home because of the camaraderie of the people. And I stayed on the other side of town, and I was 22 years old. Like, I got shit to do. So, like, and, you know, at the time, I didn't think, didn't think anything of it because I was like, oh, well, he he really wants us to be though, friends. You
1: also had kids,
0: because you had McKinley by then. She, Yeah, she's the reason I started working there, absolutely. So it's, it is... Uh, you learn more as you get older, and you go through things. But I think the, the one takeaway from all this is the gumption he had to come forward with all this. Oh, um yeah. And again, I hate the reason why I I I, I make Being a so whistleblower is so like being a whistleblower takes balls. It just does. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. But yeah, uh, go ahead and go forth with the man. I'm gonna get off the call. I gotta go. Appreciate you, man. Um, um, but before I go, go ahead and get your distance with Alstra out, so I can protect him and. Who? They got for and then we could we, could we be gone.
2: Go We haven't got we haven't got to that
0: preview yet. So I if don't you know want to hear that, talking. you gotta.
1: I, I don't know who that is.
0: I hate you so much. I Want you to know that. Okay. As always, love you guys.
1: Bye, love, love you, too, you, buddy. Um. Yeah. No. So like, it's it's total bullshit. Um. It's also total bullshit that DDP. Like seriously, you're six foot fucking five, and you're going to intimidate this schlubby looking dude. Like. Big fucking man, man.
2: Yeah, I. uh, It's unfortunate because you know GDP kind of has a very good rep these days with uh, his yoga and how many people he's helped. Yogi. Yeah. Like, and he's helped. He has helped a lot of a lot of guys get their lives back in a lot of ways, you know, and help with overcome some things. And it's just like, man, you just never know. Don't don't meet your heroes, pals. Don't ever do that. It's a bad idea. Yo, so
1: speaking of heroes, can we talk about Pat McAfee for a little bit?
2: Sure, we could talk about Pat McAfee.
1: Fuck you. I like
2: Pat McAfee.
1: Oh, Pat McAfee is like the best part of NXT right now.
2: Pat Pat McAfee was born to be in the wrestling world.
1: Uh, so like I am almost prepared to take back everything bad I said about him when he was doing kickoff shows. <laughs> like Because the same things that make Pat insufferable from that perspective make him perfect as an in-ring performer.
2: Right. The
1: thing that made him insufferable on the kickoff shows is Pat, much like a Mojo Rawley type, Pat is always on, like, that dial is always set to 11. Right. He has no chill at all. And when you're watching a kickoff panel or a panel show or something like that, that comes across way too aggressive.
2: It, it's it's like he w- has been auditioning to be a wrestler from the second they put him on a kickoff show. It was like, hey, look at me on this kickoff show. This is how I act. I'll be perfect to actually be part of this and be in the ring. Oh, and
1: by the way, I've trained to do it before.
2: Exactly. Yeah, so I think maybe in a lot of ways, he was just, you know, I'm not saying that this is what actually happened, but it almost kind of seems like this is what he's been auditioning for with some of that stuff. So, I mean, I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, like, it's been a really great feud. I also love the, like, callbacks he's been making to that stuff. Like, he mentioned that last night. Like, I spent years, you know, doing these fucking kickoff shows and now it's my time and it's my turn and i'm just really stoked for the return of the war games even though like i'm not even so much over war games as a concept as much as like the undisputed era have been in literally every single one
2: right well that's you know that's part of part of the reason for that is because they got a four-man group i guess yes yeah, uh, yes. but also, I mean, think about that. We get Oni Lorkin in War Games, which is just going to be a riot. Oh,
1: I am not going to complain for one second because I'm stoked for this particular matchup. I'm just saying, like, can the next War Games match be
2: the Hurt business? Hmm. They would do well to implement it into either WWE main roster programming or even when they're rotating, like they've had, like some of the groups and wrestlers come mm-hmm. down to NXT. Um, they would benefit greatly from something like that. Bring in the Hurt Business, or even a Retribution, or something of, like along those lines, where you've got a big group like that. So I would, I'm definitely there for that. So you don't know, got to ask yeah. me twice on that one. So, um, but yes, yeah, so it will be the return of War Games. It's going to be that
1: first weekend in December. Um, the only announced matches so far are Team Shotzi versus Team Candice, which is you know. Obviously, that was going to go there. Um, yeah. So that's going to be a good. The... Real, real quick
2: on that one, I, I saw a one of the promos for War Games is um, it's Shotzi, and she's got like I guess it's like some kind of like saw or something, and she's it looks like she's like sawing on the metal War Games stage structure or whatever. Uh huh. Tweeted that on Twitter. And said, "Look, Blackheart." I don't know if she's qualified to put together the war game structure. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. That made me laugh. So I don't know who tweeted that. But shout out if you hear this.
1: Um, so that, I mean, that'll be a fun match. It's been a great feud. I've really enjoyed it. Um, Undisputed Era versus the self-proclaimed kings of NXT. Um, and then a triple threat match for the NXT North American title, Leon Ruff defending the championship against Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to assume that they'll probably insert Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis on the card. Um, But, you know, either way, War Games is coming back. It'll be fun. We'll talk more about it when we get to War Games. But this weekend, we got a show coming up already.
2: A good one. A fun one. I think it'll be good and fun.
1: One of the big four, in fact. It's uh, it's time for the Survivor Series, y'all. The 30... Go
2: ahead. And, and, no, you're fine. Uh, and Survivor Series is one of those pay-per-views that kind of I feel like of the big four, it gets less notoriety just because they do it now more as like a complete brand warfare type thing. So we're there's also before they had the brand warfare excuse, there
1: were many, many years in a row where Survivor Series was always the most lackluster build. It doesn't have the signature oomph, you know, because a Survivor Series elimination match isn't necessarily like a unique thing that you don't ever see any other
2: year, right? Uh,
1: Whereas WrestleMania is fucking WrestleMania. They make SummerSlam their big summer spectacular, and then the Royal Rumble has the Royal Rumble match.
2: Right. And the other thing about Survivor Series is even when you're trying to do like the brand warfare thing, it's a little shoddy because typically these matchups you're getting, you've had before. Like it's not like it's not a because the brand split is not like true brand split. Like guys get drafted back and forth, like Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Well, We've seen that match before at a WrestleMania. Um, Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn. We've seen that match before, you know, so the at these, WrestleMania. Yeah. So these matches aren't like necessarily it's not new and fresh all the time. And now it has been before, but it's not new and fresh maybe so much this time. Uh, and I haven't, I haven't been, I think we're still one man short for the SmackDown Survivor Series team, if I'm not mistaken. Um.
1: Yeah, we are still one man short. So
2: you don't even have full teams, and the pay per view is Sunday. And so we're all
1: women short, or we're two women short on team. That's right.
2: On Team SmackDown, right? They've got Team Raw to put together. So, you know, there's some, uh, there's a little bit here where you're kind of, you know, it's not completely put together. And I'm not a big fan necessarily of that. Um, I'm a story guy and a build guy in general. And so when you have these stories or situations where the show isn't even really put together, going into the fi- the go-home week, the go-home show, it just feels yeah, a little...
1: Still be You should not still be building your card on the go-home show.
2: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. And, but it's it's become more common and they've almost... Conditioned us to it in a lot of ways, but yeah. So I guess with that regard, before we get to any breakdowns, that's kind of that's kind of my one major gripe about the show. I don't care that we don't have title matches and stuff like that. That doesn't really matter to me. Um, the, the general build and the seemingly like, eh, we kind of throw it together a little bit. They hop, they hot shotted the, the title you know, for this and just, and it's not the first time they've done that either. So that's, that's not new. If you recall when um, Brock Lesnar was slated to face Ginger Mahal at a Survivor Series, they hot shot of the belt back onto AJ Styles prior. So this isn't new territory we're working with.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, with all of that said, let's, Kind of dive into this card as is tradition here on the edge. We will read the card out by match order. Um, so, the first match listed on the card is the five on five men's survivor series elimination match representing team Raw. You have the phenomenal AJ Styles, Magadouche, <laughs> you've got limitless Keith Lee, the Celtic Warrior, Sheamus. Ron Don't Call Me Dumbass Strowman and Sexual Predator Riddle Um versus Team SmackDown where we've got Kevin Owens, Jay Uso, King Corbin, the Friday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, and TBD. Yeah, so, so- first things first, who you
2: got for T B D? So I'm going to say Murphy. Okay. I kind of think that like you've got, now I know Murphy and Seth are supposed to have a match this Friday. Um, And so I don't know if it seems like it's got to be him or maybe like Rey Mysterio or something like that. But I I just think that it's got to be Murphy because you can keep, sometimes with these survivor series matches, you get feuds within the teams and then, you know what I mean? And so, you kind of have, like, you've got a little bit of that with Uso and Owens. They just had a match recently. Uh, Corbin is just kind of there. Like he got fused with everybody because he's Corbin. Everyone hates Corbin. And so, with Rollins, you kind of get the, the thought that maybe my, Murphy's my best guess. It could easily be someone else. What, what do you think?
1: So, I'm not sure. I mean, Murphy would make sense, but I'm going to go with the swerve, and I'm going to pick my least favorite
2: person, Dominic Mysterio. Okay. I could see that. And I would, It would be an opportunity to, you know, one thing about Survivor Series matches is you kind of use them as a vehicle to get people over. Like, even last year, Keith Lee was someone that they used because they did the NXT brand. Yeah,
1: they inserted NXT,
2: and Keith got over
0: huge.
2: In yeah. Their- so I think there's something to be said about using the the matches as a vehicle. And if, if they want to use Dominic as someone to push, he hasn't done much since he came over to SmackDown wrestling wise. This is the perfect opportunity to do so. So I could see it, but they do love Murphy too, I think. And I think we know that Seth is going to probably take some time off here. Um, you know, with Becky getting ready to have their kid and everything. So oh,
1: speaking of which we totally forgot to say it earlier. Congratulations to Dean Ambrose John Moxley and Renee Young Paquette Moxley Ambrose. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, they pending on their pending child like props to y'all congrats to y'all. I hope that Renee's pregnancy goes really, really well because I've said it before and I've said it. I'll say it a million times. Anytime her name comes up, Renee Young is a fucking gem and an awesome human being and I want nothing but good things to happen to her.
2: They seem like incredible people, and so
1: their marriage is really wholesome and like it's it's super sweet with and it's funny because like Moxley is just very antisocial and introverted, but like right. she's not she's not at all, and so like it they balance each other perfectly. I think the best couples are opposites that balance each other perfectly.
2: Very relatable, um, I can tell you that much. So,
1: but yeah, no props to Moxley and Renee for their pending child, and props to Seth and Becky on you know theirs. Like, I'm not here to have kids, but like, hooray <laughs> for kids, y'all keeping me employed.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's you gotta love it because it keeps it keeps you uh, it keeps you teaching, sir.
1: So now I'm gonna say Dominic for my fifth person. Um. As far as which team wins, I mean if Jay Uso don't want to get like publicly whipped by the tribal chief on Friday night SmackDown, his ass better survive this fucking match.
2: Yeah, yeah. It feels like um it feels like one of those matches that's gonna end with a 2 0 to me, because I feel like we don't know who the fifth guy is, so I kind of feel like your fifth guy is going to survive. And I also I agree with you, uh, Jay. It's going to go one of two ways. He's
1: going to get flogged by <laughs> Roman on like, television.
2: On television, yeah, they're going to like str- handcuff him to one of the turnbuckle posts
1: and do and- a Tommy Dreamer Kendo stick scene.
2: It's going to be like, have you ever seen Starship Troopers? It's going to be like after the guy, like,
1: Sir, may I have another, Sir. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, it's going to be one of those. Um, and the, and the, the Raw team feels dysfunctional. Like, if you've noticed, Sheamus has been promoting how dysfunctional they I mean, are. the
1: Raw team really- has a sexual predator on it. So, of course, it's dysfunctional. <laughs> like, how can anybody else get along when that's on the team?
2: Now, if they want to make me happy, they'll, they'll have Team Raw. The only way I accept a Team Raw victory is if Sheamus is the last man standing. If it's not him... Then give me SmackDown. I will predict SmackDown. Jay, some combination of Jey Uso and one other guy would be my prediction. If
1: they want to make me happy, have the entirety of Team Raw abandon Riddle at the beginning of the match and have Team SmackDown just like beat the dog shit out of his ass. It,
2: it kind of worries me that they could use this to push him further, though, because it's his first one. But yeah, I'm with you. Oh, fuck him.
1: Um, the second match on the card is the women's five-on-five Survivor Series elimination match. And representing Team Raw, we've got Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce. Representing Team SmackDown, we've got Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, and two members to be determined. I'm assuming one of which will be Natalia because they've been building some shit there.
2: Yeah, too much not to, yeah.
1: So I'm assuming one will be Natalia, but I don't know who the other one's going to be. I think they probably were planning on it being Chelsea Green, but I thought I saw where she's hurt.
2: Yeah, she broke her wrist. So she she was supposed to win on Friday, um, and they had to change that on the fly, which is why if you watch that match, it looked very awkward on Friday. Things just looked completely strange. I remember watching it and thinking, why are – it's a four-way match, and only two of them are wrestling right now, for like five straight minutes. What happened? So Chelsea broke her wrist, and that is why she is she she will not be involved. So Liv, Ruby, Bianca. I assume Natalia will somehow get in as well. They've got to fill two spots. So, I mean, I'm just going down the women's roster. Is Bad Bailey
1: going to make an appearance?
2: Bailey, I mean Carmella, maybe, but she's oh, dealing with Asha.
1: Back, yeah.
2: I just I'm looking at it and I'm just like, uh, your guess would be as good as mine. If I had to pick someone, I would probably pick Carmella. Uh, and the way I, the reason why I say that is because you can easily. It seems like they're moving to some kind of Carmella Bailey Sasha thing. You could very easily put Carmella in that match and get Sasha involved, um, in her being eliminated or something along those lines. Uh, although, not gonna lie, I've seen a lot of tweets from. I don't well I don't know if she got drafted or not so when I say this if you need to correct me correct me but I've seen a lot of tweets from Charlotte about missing everybody and it wouldn't surprise me to maybe see her come in as the possible fifth person for Smackdown but I don't know if she's still on did Smackdown.
1: Did get drafted. No, I believe she got I think she got drafted to Smackdown but I'm not
2: sure. Well, just put a pin in that if she shows up at Survivor Series don't say I didn't warn you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: um map number <laughs> three on the card is uh the united states champion bobby lashley versus the intercontinental champion sammy zane um i'll go first on this one i love sammy you know this sammy Zayn might honestly be my favorite person on the roster uh, him and xavier woods it's like neck and neck right for me, for me. um but that being said, like the Hurt Business is too hot right now for me to think they're, Bobby Lashley is not going to put the Hurt Lock on, uh, on my dog, and that be that.
2: Well, hold on, though. Have you seen some of the back and forth that Sammy has been doing on Twitter with Bobby Lashley?
1: I mean, Sammy's Twitter game is to never be missed.
2: Yes, that's true. But so they were – anyways, I'm just going to do – thing. They were trying to Sammy was trying to build a feud without insulting Bobby and so they've been kind of going doing a little bit of back and forth but this is what Sammy Zayn said today about eight hours ago so earlier this afternoon in building his um, feud here with Bobby for Survivor Series I hear that as United States champion Bobby Lashley is working on a new finishing move called the American Way where he sets up a base on my property, destroys my home, has his friends take whatever is left, then says he did it for freedom and makes me out to be the bad guy.
1: <laughs> I stand a legend.
2: Dude, he is fantastic. and I really uh, hope that he wins. He it. won't, but I hope that he does. Uh,
1: our Canadian savior, Sammy Zane.
2: I'm telling you.
1: Um, but no, Bobby's probably going to win that one
2: Yeah, I would think so Yeah.
1: Oh shit, we didn't even say who we thought was going to win the Raw and SmackDown women's match um, Just because there's so many question marks with Team SmackDown right now I guess I'm going to have to go Team Raw And I'm going to say one of the tag team champions is the sole survivor
2: So I actually am going to go with Team SmackDown just because they have Bianca Belair
1: I mean, I'm here for the EST of WWE.
2: Yeah, so I think I kind of feel like, like I said before, a lot of these matches are built nowadays to be kind of vehicles to push people or to get people. And Bianca's already a star, but this is another way to kind of showcase her in a um, in a big spot, if you know what I mean. So I, I yeah. kind of feel like, I feel like um, I, even still not knowing who the full team is, I'm still... I know I probably shouldn't take SmackDown twice, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway and say that Bianca will be the uh, sole survivor of SmackDown, Smackdown team. Whoever the they are, the four people are. Alright.
1: Um, and then we both said Bobby Lashley's going to win that match. Match Correct. number four is the tag team champion face-off. So the Raw tag team champions, The New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, uh, versus... The SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, loved Big E's promo, uh, chopping the Street Profits down to size on Friday. That was top-notch shit. Um, But I think the Street Profits are probably going to win this match.
2: Um... I disagree. I, I, I think that uh, the the New Day is going to are gonna win. Absolutely. I know that the street profits are kind you're of the right. up and coming I just I the street profits are the up and comers here, but I think that kind of works to the New Day's advantage when you're trying to say, Way, well, hey, you know, um, <clears throat> they're not quite to the New Day level yet. I will say this, as as much as we kind of give Vince a hard time about tag team wrestling, this is probably the match I'm most looking forward to on the card. I think it'll I think it will be the best match of the night. And that includes the big one at the end. I think this is gonna be the best match. I'm looking forward to it. Everyone and we'll be watching it because my wife, my daughter, they all love Street Profits, they all love New Day. And so we're just gonna be sitting on our little chairs rooting for happiness.
1: I mean, I like Street Profits as, I like Street Profits like I like Angelo and Tez as people. Something about the tag team doesn't click for me. Hmm. And I don't know what it is. I like Tez and I like Angelo, but something about Street Profits
2: doesn't click for me. It's not in
1: an I hate them way, but just in a like, I don't know, something about them feels real corny.
2: Is it the fact that they drop bags full of red solo cups from the ground and litter every time they come out?
1: No, it's not that. Like like I really it uh, something about them feels real corny. In like oh. a put-on sort of way. And I'm just like, I don't know, this feels real inauthentic.
2: I can see I can see that. I think th- actually I think one of their biggest issues is that as good as they are, and as much as I like both of them, you can tell Montez Ford is like a bona fide
1: Montez star superstar. and Angelo tag team wrestler.
2: Yeah, Montez is a superstar waiting to break out. Like it's just any second now, you know. And I don't know that Angelo has that. And I think that kind of can kind of devalue at least with New Day, even with Kofi Kingston winning a WWE title. You never thought that he was like bigger than any one person in the group. And you just kind of get the feeling with Tez, like he's, he's special. You know what I mean? Like just got the it factor. And so I kind of get that feeling that they're not going to have the longevity um, that some of these other groups have.
1: I think it helped. I think part of the thing with new day, two things helped there. One, they were all singles people before they became a team, right? And so, like, you never put them in this like hierarchy. And I mean, even if you did, it was always going to be Kofi, E, Xavier in the beginning, based yeah, for on sure. Resume. But like, as New Day has grown and evolved, like, all three of them motherfuckers are stars. Like, yeah. all three of them motherfuckers are stars. It, it didn't ma- It wouldn't matter if any of the two got hurt whichever one was left over, can go on the mic and can go in the ring. you got to
2: start. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: you're right. But no, I think actually now that like I'm looking at the card more, I do think you're right. I think New Day will win because I'm thinking, I think this night ends 3-3 in like an even split. And so I think Sasha and Roman are going to win their matches. So I'm going to take the New Day on this one
2: that's fair I guess that means we should go on to the next one then because we agree oh. on new day there
1: the next one is uh, Asuka, the raw women's champion versus Sasha the Smackdown women's champion and I just I got I got the former two belts banks uh, current <laughs> Star Wars uh, universe person
2: star of the Mandalorian Sasha banks yes
1: current star of the Mandalorian sasha banks
2: uh, I don't know, man. I I kind of feel like uh, Oscar's gonna win because Oscar doesn't have any. She doesn't have any major beef right now. Sasha's got beef everywhere. She's got Bailey on her ass, She's which got is
1: why I way. think Sasha wins because she needs like momentum.
2: That's fair. Maybe I guess maybe we just we see it differently, and I'm not very good at predicting matches anyway, so. Um, you know, anything that I predict, you can almost always predict against it. Um, but I do think I, I still would take Oscar just because I think there's going to be some shenaniganery and when there's shenaniganery, that usually means that, uh, you know, someone like Oscar is going to win because she doesn't have any, as many people after her right now. Although you could, you could, I suppose, You know, I don't know who Asuka's even feuding with on the main roster. So I suppose you could use that to get someone there. But I also go with Asuka. As much as I love Sasha Banks, star of The Mandalorian, I still go with Asuka.
1: (laughs) All right. So we're a split decision there. You got Asuka. I got Sasha. Um, And then the main event of the evening you've got the WWE champion. Drew McIntyre versus the WWE Universal Champion and our tribal chief, Mr. Roman Reigns. Yeah. I,
2: you would think it's a no brainer that Roman is going to win, Bruce right? He's but- had
1: a crazy push, though, this year. <laughs> and, like, they hot shotted the belt off him and then back on him so that they could say that they took the belt off him. And they gave it to Randy, because Randy hot. Yeah. Um, But there are two reasons why I'm giving it to the Tribal Chief still. I mean, other than it's the obvious answer. One, I don't think that the Drew-Randy-Fiend shit is over. And I very much could see... um, one of them costing him the match. And two, um, shit. Oh, Paul Heyman and the Usos.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see. I mean, if put a gun to my head, I'm going to pick Roman. Uh, partly because he is, one, he's the guy. I mean, that's just the, the reality of the situation two i think it sounds ridiculous and this is gonna when i say it it's gonna come out as the dumbest thing i feel like he needs to win like he yeah, needs it his more
1: character needs the win
2: his character, his character needs is it more.
1: built around this idea that i am this unstoppable force that puts the food on this family's table exactly drew is just the like drew's character and i, I mean i've i've I'm not, I'm still not like a rah-rah supporter, but I've come around in terms of I don't hate him. Um,
2: Drew, so.
1: Drew's whole thing is like this hardworking grit grind kind kind of deal. Yeah. Like you can survive a loss when that's your, when that's yeah, your and, essence.
2: And when you're pushing other feuds, like right now, technically Roman doesn't have anybody up to the plate. I'll laugh so with, hysterically with, if
1: this ends. I'll laugh hysterically if this ends clean, and then the Miz cashes in, and Drew and uh, Randy have to fight each other while the Miz has stolen the title from them.
2: And see, that's another thing that I think is, is a, uh, an important point to make, is because you've got Roman and Drew, who are both literally they are at the top of their game right now. Period. And so they're probably going to beat the hell out of each other. So if you're The Miz, why wouldn't you cash in the title, the, the briefcase, to win the title this weekend? Especially
1: since the last time, the only reason you were thwarted was because Drew was like, Oh, hell no. I'm going to beat Randy. Randy right. will have no fucking qualms about you taking the title and then slithering in on your ass afterwards.
2: exactly exactly so yeah i think that i mean i'm not saying that's what's going to happen i don't want to predict it because you know i don't i just don't i the miz winning the title right now just seems so strange but because they've been hot shot in the hot shot of the belt a little bit maybe it's not so strange but that said i'm just going to take roman to win the match a good clean probably not clean but a good 20 minute beat down both guys kill it out there roman gets a pinfall because he needs it more for his character that's where i'll go with that one i think we we'll are agree on that. i think we're the only way only only way we're separating here is
1: we took team raw.
2: I take yeah, each two, raw yeah women's uh, raw women's raw. yeah and
1: um then Sasha. but um Six match card, even with the two five on five matches, a six match card. I'm I'm thinking no more than a three hour show.
2: Yeah, I, may yeah three three hours, maybe a little over. It is Survivor Series, so they might give us a little. It bit is
1: Survivor screen. Series, like they might give it a little latitude. But I'm thinking that men's match will get close to a half hour. The women's match will probably get more like twenty. Yeah, but I think they'll still give them a solid twenty. Then Bobby and Samuel get 15. If that. Um, New Day and Street Profits, they might get another 20, 25. And then Asuka, Sasha, and Drew Roman will get 25 to 30
2: each. Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: They might surprise us, though, and only give Asuka and Sasha, like, 15. It depends on how much oh. shenanigans.
2: That's what I was thinking with, with – I was thinking the shorter matches are going to be um, Bobby and Sammy in the tag team match because that's where they cut stuff.
1: If you know. the it dep- I think for me it depends on the match order. If the match order is the way that they was listed, then I say the two shorter matches will be Bobby, Sammy, and then maybe the women. Because the women is the last match before the main event, and unless they're going to throw a fluff match in in between, they very rarely don't give you some kind of like shorter match in between your main event and your mid card.
2: That's true. That's true. Either way, I'm looking forward to it. It's not the yeah, best it looks part like of the world, but I like the type the champion versus champions thing that they is do
1: trope and it'll be fun if nothing else you know that's my thing with survivor series survivor series is a fun show
2: yeah try not to take it too seriously it's not WrestleMania, man it's really like kind of you get that you get survivor series and you get one more pay-per-view and then you get the royal rumble so we're yep. on our way we're close it'll be here before we know it but you know.
1: know um and we hope y'all enjoy the survivor series this week you know next get next week is thanksgiving um cdc is recommending that you stay home folks uh zoom thanksgiving is better than an icu christmas
2: (laughs) no doubt stay home and watch survivor series and watch wrestling and watch all those crappy christmas movies with the people you already live with
1: and watch all those shitty nfl teams that play on thursday because all the trash teams play thursday
2: That's true. I'm not going to even argue the point, even though one of my favorite teams will be playing that day. Favorite
1: team plays in a dumpster fire of a division. There's (laughs) not a good team in the lot right now.
2: Still got a chance to win it, though.
1: Uh, In the meantime, brother man, tell them where they can find you on Twitter.
2: Uh, uh, You can find me at Outsider Curvin, K-E-R-V-I-N. And by the way, you're going to see more of the show Twitter starting this weekend at Outsider's Edge CS. We are going to start rotating a little bit. You're going to see me for sure Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and probably Friday and Sunday more than anything else, tweeting during the pay-per-view and during the shows.
1: You'll see our good brother Rance, who you can find on Twitter, at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. You're going to catch him on the show's Twitter every Monday and Tuesday, probably more active on Monday, of course, because that's, Monday Night Raw, and yeah. then you will catch me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores, and then on the Outsider's Edge CS Twitter feed, you will catch me on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Um, I'll probably spread it pretty even between, the, between both. I normally watch Dynamite Night Of. I normally watch NXT on Thursday, and there you Thursday go. is the night that we record the show, so we'll definitely be seeing more of us um, here on the show. And as always, we are part of the ChairShot Media Network at ChairShot Media, where you
2: always use your head. For sure, for sure. Um,
1: And as always, y'all, just remember, we here on the Outsider's Edge are some increasingly older gentlemen doing everything that we can trying to make it here in this world. And sometimes we're going to say some rather controversial things like, the EVPs need to get a handle on their employees. Um, (laughs) And other times, we're just going to have bad takes about Survivor Series. But, like, (laughs) no matter what, y'all, we're just out here chasing our dreams. And, like, you got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, happy Thanksgiving, but we sure don't give (laughs) a fuck. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.